0: So I'm back in Budapest working with Dave and the young people at real school, and I'm outside the school now, and you can maybe hear people pass, maybe the kids shouting in the distance as they play and cars passing on the road that runs adjacent to the school. And this week, the kids will be designing experiments, real experiments, which always begins with not knowing. One of my roles is to create the context for them to not know brilliantly. My mom was many things, one was a context maker. On some Saturday mornings, we would go out on our balcony with our drawing pencils and large drawing books. We'd take the time to position them around us just so, under the Douglas fir trees amongst blue jays and hummingbirds and gray squirrels where we lived in Washington State. I knew the cost of these well-made materials and I knew the value of the time with my mom. She had five of us on her own while putting herself through nursing school. Sleep was not something that visited her often. Being aware of this, I felt respectful of them and her, and therefore respectful of the ideas that they might create in conversation with my mind. Creating a physical and emotional context to be in service is so often missed in our lives and the lives we create for others. Context remember is everything. Once situated, my mom would say, So, what are we going to invent today? When I answer her, her response is always a question, a leading question as well. Never, that won't work. People so often talk to the importance of creativity, of new ideas, of exploration, of love. But their actions often reveal just the opposite. And the most common action I hear teachers and parents and lovers saying is cynical criticism. This is not to say that one shouldn't be critical and encourage critical thinking is essential but statements of negative certainty are cheap they're unenlightened they're unsophisticated and they lack beauty especially at the beginning of a creative quest in fact i found that such statements usually reveal the fear and narrowness of the certain person more than they reveal the quality of the uncertain one certain people are often less adaptive and agile in their thinking than those who have the courage to doubt You see, negativity is easy. There are always more reasons why something won't work. It's just maths. It's not hard to find a reason for potential failure. It's in questioning and then discovering how to make something work where cleverness, creativity, and commitment live. And it'd just be fucking boring otherwise. Love between lovers, between friends and teachers, between parents and children will not endure such actions. At least not in my life. If you face this in your life, Consider changing your context. Be in service. And in doing so, you will not only expand the perception of someone else, you also expand the perception of your own self. I hope you enjoy this next episode. I arrived into Kirkland in Washington State last week, having driven from New York to Maine, initially for a lobster roll. I then turned left across the northern states, and it took about 18 days to get here, largely by ragtop-mediated Brownian motion. The town of Kirkland is a small, charming, mask-wearing town on the banks of Lake Washington, across from the larger, currently riotous Seattle. I arrived in order to tend to the most essential of our human uncertainties, our health. For the sake of privacy, I'll have to leave it at that, but suffice it to say, I discovered there is an inverse relationship between the wisdom of the brain and the withering of the body that shepherds it. It's real. While that reality can inspire denial and depression, my family chooses dark humor, which shines a light into the shadows of a reality with love. In the next few days, I'll turn left again, but this time, I'll leave the ragtop behind and I'll go by bike. I will retrace the same route I took 32 years ago down the west coast of the States. Last time, my mom remarkably followed me as my support vehicle, But because the body that carries the carrying heart cannot always retrace its steps, I'll cycle this time alone. But first I needed a bike. The Bone Shaker was the nickname given to the earliest pedal bikes built in the 1850s and 60s. They shook your bones because not only were their frames metal metal, so too were their wheels. How remarkable was the toughness of the people who came before us. Before that, bikes without pedals or brakes came... Even earlier, first known iteration was in fact 1418 by Giovanni Fontana, an Italian engineer. The design had four wheels and a rope that was connected by gears. 400 years later, a German aristocrat inventor named Carl von Dres built a two-wheeled version in 1817 called the dandy horse or a hobby horse. Now, 170 years later, I'm in Kirkland Cycles by an evolved version of the hobby horse that couldn't be more different. It's made from carbon fiber and therefore light, stiff, and yet accommodating. It's efficient and smooth, and it's propelled with little effort. On my test ride, Huck, who sold me the bike, told me to turn right, then right again, then up a gentle hill so I could see how it felt. I did. Halfway to the top of this gentle hill, the bike felt great. I, however, was fucked. I'd gone not more than two minutes away from the bike shop and I was already tired. Suddenly I discovered that my daily runs were not enough. I was and indeed am not in good enough shape to complete the 1600 kilometers to San Francisco it lay before me. Which brings me to the point of this episode. We don't train and then live. We train by living. We don't overcome our fear of uncertainty and then step into it. We don't overcome our pain before stepping forward. We get in shape along the way through the exercise of living itself. While I'm not yet in the shape required to finish my adventure, I'm in good enough shape to start it. Adventures are hard and at times we get sore and lost in mind, spirit, and body. My mind, spirit, and body are no different since my chosen adventure embodies this metaphor, purposely so. The body doesn't lie. It's our brains that do. It's our actions that create and reveal who we want to become. Each day, I'll go as far as I can. But since I don't know how far that'll be, I have no idea when I'll stop or indeed where I'll stop. So I'll have a tent in the event that I have to stop in between the here and the there, which actually is where life has lived. Each morning, the soreness will eventually pass as the slow twitch and fast twitch muscle fibers in my legs warm and reconstruct themselves from earlier damage. Each day will become a little easier and or I'll go a little further. Keep in mind that a bit of positive delusion is also important to live with a more positive outlook, which is scientifically true actually. In addition to delusion, another more useful fuel that propels us forward into living that helps our brains to overcome the pain that seems inevitably to recur in our life and may even help us to use that pain as a reason for ourselves to pedal forward is to pedal for another instead of yourself. In this time of COVID, indeed, in all times, we've all seen, indeed, throughout history, we are here because of those who step forward first, into the fire first, into the protest for freedom and dignity of others first, into compassion with conflict first. Today we call some of these people first responders who risk themselves every day for an anonymous other in a time of pandemic. Others we call parents, teachers, friends and lovers, at least when done beautifully. We know from neuroscience that we will go further if it's for the benefit of another. The Lab of Misfits has shown that you'll even endure more pain if the endurance benefits another brain more than your own. We are wired this way, a wiring that can be lost if not exercised, if not maintained, if not kept in shape. For toleration is an exercise. Compassion is an exercise. Love is an exercise. Love is not a single decision from which we passively benefit in the future. It's every day, it's right now. As with all exercise, it is a choice because standing still is our default strategy. But don't be fooled. We can equally exercise our pride and anger. They too can become easier if you choose to exercise them instead. When I first cycled down the West Coast over 30 years ago, I had the added help of children with Down syndrome, specifically a school called Merrywoods, which has since become part of kindering. I decided that my ride would be in service of them, a modest gesture for a group of people doing far more remarkable things for others at far more personal cost than I. Being in service, no matter how modest, helps you contend with times of personal uncertainty, sadness, and pain. It's a strategy that I highly recommend. It doesn't dissipate your pain. Rather, it helps you to engage with it directly from the perspective of expansion rather than contraction. Consider the fact that if you were to literally look inwards, you would need to lower your head and round your shoulders in order for your eyes to gaze navelward. This is a claustrophobic, disempowering pose. On the other hand, to look outward requires you to raise your head and straighten your back so that your eyes can gaze into the distance beyond yourself, literally and figuratively. It's a physically open way to see the world and yourself in it. As I discussed in previous episodes, to be in service in times of your own uncertainty helps you step into the not-a of the pain itself, thus recreating the possibility of redefining it rather than maintaining its previously recycled meaning looking outwards tells your prefrontal cortex to look away from itself to the existence of another doing so will help create a positive feedback loop that will create your brain's intrinsic reward of dopamine and other neurotransmitters and hormones that will disrupt the negative neural attractor states of your brain i chose to be in service of children and adults with down syndrome because i believe them to be remarkable individuals so the most honest people i've ever met even more so as I grow older, where self-honesty seems increasingly hard to find, look no further than politics, which has tremendous impacts on all our lives, most of us could learn a great deal about authentic integrity, trust, kindness, and doubt from their actions. For it is what we do that speaks with salience, and less what we say. One of my roles was called a hugger for the Special Olympics. The task was, not surprisingly, to hug more accurately, to be the incentive for others to run. You see, young people with downs view competition differently from us. If, as the Special Olympics is about competition, this creates a challenge. How do you get these beautiful young people to race each other if they are more interested in being than winning? The way you do it is by putting an equal number of huggers in a line just over 100 meters away, i.e., just on the other side of the finish line. When the starting gun sounds, the racers do indeed run but not against each other. They run to be hugged. At the end of the race, ribbons of placement are handed out, which I always found to be a tremendous irony, wondering who at that moment had the special needs. Sit, if you will, with that image. Are we not all the same? Do we not all need to feel held, chosen, listened to, touched physically and emotionally? Would we not all run to be hugged by that special someone who truly cared? And do we not often shy away from doing so because we lack the self-honesty of that need and instead cater to the safety of our pride? For our need to be hugged physically and or emotionally for a lifetime is vulnerability incarnate. We know from neuroscience research that it's really only through vulnerability that our brains create love. A love that has the possibility to expand when engaged with, with humbling perspective of I don't know which is why the willingness of these special needs athletes to be vulnerable is one of the greatest courages and lessons I've experienced in my life. It's also why this second turning left, over 30 years later, is in service of raising money for the Special Olympics, to whom I would be grateful if you would donate. With that said, I'd like you to do two favors. The first is to donate financially or personally, if not to the Special Olympics, then to any cause that will give yourselves the energy to pedal forward. The second is personal. My ride will take up to 30 days, partly because I'll continue to be guided by Brownian motion, this time cycle mediated. On my ride, I'll practice living by directly engaging my own uncertainties, insecurities, pains, and biased perceptions. I'd love it if you too could do it with me to use the next 30 days to create a practice that will exercise your life. Maybe it'll be to literally exercise, which is a great idea in the time of COVID or actually any time. Maybe it'll be love, to exercise your ability to overcome your pride and engage with self-honesty. Whatever it is for you, big or small, right or left, I'd love to know what it is, since knowing will help my own cells have a reason beyond oxygen and ATP to propel my bone shaker forward. In fact, the Lab of Misfits would love to hear your examples of how you've chosen to exercise your life. If it's not too personal, please contribute to this growing list of purposes by emailing us at hello at labofmisfits.com to encourage others to do the same. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Bo Lotto and thank you for listening to my expanding perception podcast, which will be an ever expanding story of the neuroscience of uncertainty and how we can not just cope with it, but expand because of it. My aim in creating this podcast is really to try to help you increase your perceptual intelligence, which will give you the ability to make the decisions and take the actions that will foster a more loving, adaptable and optimistic life in an increasingly uncertain world. My hope is that this podcast will help you in your journey to self-honesty, which is one of the hardest journeys we can take in our life since it's a never-ending practice and might take you to places that you might want to avoid. But if you have the courage and compassion to go on this journey, you'll find that it's worth it and it will create true authenticity in your way of being. A deeper consideration of many of the ideas in the Expanding Perception podcast can be found in my book, Deviate, The Creative Power of Transforming Your Perception. You can also follow me and my Lab of Misfits on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also take part in experiments on the Lab of Misfits website that we've designed just for you to help you better understand who you are. So thank you, and I hope you enjoy these episodes.